Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode Number 48. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, this Victory Monday for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they uh, held on to beat the Green Bay Packers 23 to 19 on Sunday to move Pittsburgh to six and three on the season. And Dave, we talk about can this team sustain? I don't like the way that they're winning. They're sacrificing one inside linebacker per win the last two weeks, which I don't know is a model that can continue, but that is certainly one of the top stories. But above all else, another win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, the uh, unsustainable remains sustainable, and it all all boils down to wins, and they they got another one. It's like it's like watching a a movie over and over again, but each time that you watch it, somebody has changed little bits and pieces of the movie and it gets a little better. They remove some of those, you know, like when the car goes over the railroad tracks and it loses the hubcap, but in the next scene, you see the next, you see the hubcap (laughs) still, (laughs) still on the car, you know, Mm because they, they, they didn't edit that right or whatnot. And uh, it it kind of uh, feels like that feels like, you know, the, we're, we're talking, you know, you, 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 for all those times, we talk about Antonio Brown like week after week and he make all these great plays and you just run out of different ways to describe uh, kind of the, the, the end result. That's, that's kind of what it feels uh, like this. But look, you know, it's so hard to win games in the NFL, right? I mean, how many teams would kill to be six and three right now, no matter how they got there? And you know, the Steelers are there six and three. And, you know, at this point, all they have to do is, you know, win really well. They, all they have to do is win three more games and, and they will be over 500 yet again. And obviously when you look at the schedule right now, way this thing lays out, you would think, you know, this team can at least reach uh, 10 wins at this point. And if they do that, you have to think they're in, you know, going, going to get into playoffs, uh, you know, some way and look at me, even the division, even the AFC North is still up for grabs at this point, you know, Baltimore mm-hmm. lost, uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, so there, I mean, there's a lot of football left to be played at this point, but yeah, they, they got another win and now we're here to talk about it. And we're going to spend today's podcast focusing on the Packers game and everything that came out of that. But just a quick peek ahead, Sunday's game against the Browns, Dave, talk about a big one. I mean, two, six and three teams, great defenses. That's going to be a really, really critical matchup. Yeah, they've really got a good defense for sure. Now, they they, they gave up a little bit, I think, to to, to the Ravens yesterday. But, uh, but uh you know, look, it's it's an exciting week overall when you talk when you look at the AFC North because you got the Steelers uh, playing the Browns and you have the Ravens playing the Bengals. So, uh, going to be interesting week eleven in in the NFL. 
All right, Dave, uh, where to begin with this one? You want to go over just quickly inactives, your take on that, Darius Rush being named inactive, which really ended up being no surprise because the team elevated on Saturday, linebacker Tariq Carpenter and Trenton Thompson getting elevated. That was maybe an interesting decision overall. Actually, ended up seeing snaps late in that game with all the injuries this team sustained. But just a, a quick note on the inactives that Rush, after playing 30 snaps against Tennessee, was down, did not dress against Green Bay. Yeah, not surprising the, uh, the, uh, the 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 question there, and that became that that became a little bit more obvious once you saw two uh, the the two elevations made there. And look, you know, I, I realize people are upset that that he wasn't active after playing thirty snaps against the Titans, but he didn't play any special team snaps in that game. And uh, when you look at uh, you have uh, two backup inside linebacker. Or one safety, one backup inside linebacker uh, elevated, and both those guys, you know, have have uh, special teams experience. And the fact that they they really dressed one extra cornerback for that game uh, uh, against the Titans there, uh, and they had to have seven inactives in this game because of the two elevations uh, that that became less surprising right, right after those elevations uh, were made. Obviously two of those guys inactive were Minka and Montrevious Adams because of uh, uh, injuries. Uh, Mason Rudolph's a weekly inactive emergency third quarterback, uh, Dylan cook, uh, Braden Fajoko hasn't uh, dressed in, 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 in weeks there. And who was the, uh, who was the Dylan other cook? One? Yeah. Dylan cook uh, was, was inactive there. Oh, and, uh, 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 uh Equal uh, UK, right? Yeah, for yeah, up. Right. And that wasn't a surprise there. So, uh, yeah, I know people don't like it and, and trying to understand it, but remember this team had to have seven inactives for this game. And I, I think the special teams aspect of it is what forced uh, uh, Darius Rush back to the inactive list. Although Thompson only played two special team snaps. And so I wonder what the exact reason for that was just quality of practice work. I'm not entirely sure. Rush was considered a, a strong special teamer coming out of South Carolina to her loss and just praising for it. Not that we're losing sleep. We're going to spend any more time than necessary on Darius Rush for all the other things in this game. But just a quick notice we usually do to talk about the pregame inactives. Right. All right, injury standpoint, that's going to be a longer discussion, Dave. And it unfortunately starts with linebacker Quan Alexander. Reportedly, and I'm sure we made official by the team here shortly, a torn Achilles in the first quarter for Quan Alexander. It looked like, and I have not gotten a great view of it, I think he tried to cut to his right as he was covering the receiver, and I'm guessing that's when his leg gave out. And as you pointed out, that would be the second torn Achilles of his career. Also happened in 2020 as a member of the New Orleans Saints. And so lose Cole Holcomb in week nine for the season due to a knee injury. And now in week 10, it very much appears Quan Alexander is done for the year with a torn Achilles. Yeah, we're not going to get a good look at that until the all 22 is released. But uh, and, and, it, and you're right. I think it happened in the end zone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, on a cut there, you, you, you can barely pick it up on the on the TV tape there before it cuts another angle there. Uh, second one for him. Uh, and I believe the last time it was the right leg looking back at some pictures and 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 all like that of him being carted off when he was with the saints i think that happened on on a christmas day did it not against the uh or, or as a member of the saints back in what was it 2020 and i think this one is the left one so <laughs> Uh, man, to have, uh, it's hard enough to come back from an Achilles injury as it is, but to have what, what seems like 
having to come back from two separate ones to each leg. You have to wonder about that. This is a guy that, that signed a one-year contract uh, uh, with, with, with the Steelers, obviously scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent after the year. At this point, uh, I mean, you, it's hard to imagine him being fully rehabbed by this thing by the time March rolls around there. So I don't I don't know if we've seen the last of him in a Steelers uniform, but it wouldn't be surprising on top of this injury at this point. But, man, you know, the, the Steelers, you go from a position that looked pretty deep overall here just a couple of weeks ago, and and now they're, you know, now they're going to have to uh, – Get 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 some backups in there to uh, to help fill out the rest of this roster and carry at least four of these guys on game day. Yeah, it's like backups to the backups is where the depth is being tested. Yeah, Pittsburgh just two weeks ago they were really happy and loved their three man rotation of Oakham, Alexander, Roberts. Each of those guys kind of having a different skill set. You know, Alexander think think good in coverage. Oakham kind of a well rounded type of dude. Roberts the hammer, the downhill base package type of player. And he trusts those guys from a communication standpoint. Holcomb was your green dot, dude. Alexander now had that, and now it goes to a Landon Roberts. So do you want to take kind of the, the carve out about how to address inside linebacker, or do you want to come back to that after we talk about the game some more? Your, your choice here, Dave. Yeah, we'll go ahead and talk about it and get it knocked out here. I mean, it's it's not, obviously not a great situation uh, for this team to be in. And, you know, I looked around at some of the practice squads across the NFL and you know, it's not a lot really to choose from when, 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 when it comes to that aspect of it. And it just, it feels like this team's probably going to have to work with, with, with options already on the roster here. And they did elevate, uh, tri- uh, uh, who they elevate. Yes. Tariq Ty- Carpenter. Uh, yeah. Tariq Carpenter. And that guy, you know, he's a converted safety, uh, 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 to linebacker. And then your only other option really is, uh, uh, Mikel Walker, uh, you know, a guy that's been on the practice squad, what, a couple of weeks now, I think now at this point. So that seems like your two likeliest options. Tariq Carpenter obviously was, was elevated to the practice squad, uh, for this game that will, you know, he'll go back to the practice squad this week and then he might just turn around real quick and be, <laughs> be back on the 53. And, uh, they, they can obviously carve out another roster spot with God, Godwin Igwe Bukwe, uh, now and, and probably let him go to make room. But, you know, unless there's somebody on the street that we're missing at this point, you know, not a lot of options to come in there, especially when it when because of the type that you're looking for, right? You're looking mm-hmm. for one really more, uh, uh, you know, the, the athleticism that can maybe help you in 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 a coverage aspect of this because Landon Roberts can obviously play downhill, and really Mark Robinson, that's his specialty as well too. Not so much in 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 coverage there. So uh, now the you know in the post that you wrote either last night or early this morning, I think an, an interesting thing to maybe consider here might be Keanu Neal, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, he has played, you know, uh, off the ball linebacker in the NFL. So he does have experience in that. Obviously has been around, around this team for a bit now. So uh, you might have to, you know, stitch this thing together situationally uh, overall, but I think you can make a, uh, especially when Mika comes back here, which hopefully is is very soon. I think you can make an argument to to uh, to having Keanu Neal uh, uh, 
down there at inside linebacker. I think it's one of the better options of a bad situation. And in the article I wrote this morning, you guys can check out. There are no good or easy or seamless solutions when it's mid-November and you just lost your top two linebackers, especially your top two coverage linebackers. And, and, and I like what Roberts has done. I like Mark Robinson. But as you said, they are downhill, attack the run type of dudes. They are not go backwards and cover kind of players. You saw you know, Roberts struggle against Luke Musgrave for a 30-yard completion yesterday. Teams are going to attack the heck out of that if they see those guys on the field in passing situations. So what do you do? It, it could be a carpenter. But he lacks experience, a second-year guy with all of 16 career defensive snaps, none with Pittsburgh. But he is a good athlete in a line, and there's something maybe attractive there. Walker has experience and played a bunch last year for Atlanta, so there are at least uh, some experience there, although he's new to Pittsburgh. But as you said, Neil, he was a true kind of linebacker in Dallas in 2020. Um, It's better whenever he's near the line of scrimmage and uh, maybe can blitz more and take on some of these backs or tight ends. That might be a bit better for him overall, as opposed to playing in some of the space that he's in right now. Is it perfect? No, but uh, that's probably something you have to explore and at least check out and consider, especially as you said, once Mika Fitzpatrick gets healthy. Yeah, it would really be nice if you had a, if you knew for for a fact going into this game that Mika was going to be back, but you don't know that, you know, and, 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 you know, you're going to obviously get him back sooner rather than than later. It'd be a lot easier if you have him there, and then obviously you would have uh, uh, oh, who's your other uh, uh, other yeah, safety? Casey. Casey, yeah, Casey and Minka uh, as your safeties, and then could could you know allow Neil to play more in the box there in the linebacker situation, but. It, and once again, you know, I, I don't know who's out there on the street that can come in and just help you, especially from from a coverage standpoint like that. It probably would be a little bit easier if you were looking for for more of a, a downhill guy. Who was the uh, who was the other linebacker they had in camp? Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, yeah. Tanner Muse. I think Muse is still on the Chargers roster. Yeah. Uh, so the, n- neither one of those guys are, are, are probably going to be a, a, an option at this point. So, you know, it's, it's probably your options are probably going to be within is, is the way this thing's going to boil out. You know, I'm sure they're going to bring somebody from the outside, be it a practice squad. There'll be something that gets it added. But, you know, will they actually help? And how quickly can that help come? You get somebody off a practice squad. Do you really trust them to pick things up right away, especially on those weighty downs? And if you do take Roberts off the field, who's your communicator? Who's wearing the green dot? Who's going to you know kind of be that hub of communication? Maybe it'll be Minka in those moments whenever he returns. But I'm not sure when Minka's going to come back either. I think they're going to really take take their time with his hamstring injury. They don't want to risk you know if it's Patrick kind of going the Frymuth path and coming back and hurting himself again and and being out you know even longer. So I think they're going to really kind of take their time and make sure they're not doing anything that's going to jeopardize Minka if it's Patrick. But yeah, there really is no easy easy situation right now, um, but I think they're going to have to try to do something and probably some trial and error. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be ideal, but that's what happens when you lose Holcomb and Alexander in back-to-back weeks. I know everybody's saying, boy, you guys sure are down on, on, on Mark Robinson, but I mean, he just, you know, there, 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 there's not enough there to have confidence in, in the coverage aspect of it. Yeah, I like Robinson. I've been I'm excited for him. I thought, you know, he had a really good camp as a rookie and made some plays his rookie season overall. And there's a great opportunity for him to play. And he's going to play a lot in base and nickel. I'm not saying that you're going to, you know, put Keanu Neal in your base three, four defense down at, at linebacker. That's not going to happen. But you do have to address the coverage aspect of things and the weakness for Roberts and 
to Robinson is trying to move out in space. Now, is Robinson maybe a little bit better than Robertson coverage? Yeah, probably a little bit younger, fresher legs, but you like Robertson for the communication aspect. And to a larger discussion, you're really seeing some communication issues with this defense. The, you, you just see a lot of pre-snap chaos. The guy's mm-hmm. unsure where to line up. And, and that's all because when you lose Holcomb and Alexander and uh, Fitzpatrick, that's going to create those things, especially as you're dealing with it on the fly. So those things hopefully can get cleaned up, but you're seeing a lot of, a lot of just, I think, chaos pre-snap right now. So the first goal is to communicate well, because if you're not communicating well, it doesn't matter what athletes you have out there. It's going to be a, a tough game for you. Um, so there's a lot of layers to this discussion this team's going to have to address. Right. They've got to have confidence, you know, especially if they're going to give a green dot to someone other than than Landon Roberts there, you know, mm-hmm. when, when he's off the field there. And there were some communication lapses, obviously, yesterday in this game against the Packers. Yeah, so we'll probably continue to talk about the inside linebacker situation, but that's kind of the view of things right now. They can still stop the run, but third down, dime packages, end of half, end of game. How do they address that? Something to watch for going forward. All right, Dave, for this game, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Got off to a really great start. start. You thought, okay, could this be the game? 30 points, 400 yards. That felt like possibilities after the first quarter. And the third quarter just became the due first quarter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was, you know, a really strong start tailed off from there, but the run game on track, really strong outing 205 after 166 against Tennessee. So clearly Pittsburgh won this game offensively, at least because of that running game. Yeah, boy. And uh, uh, how, how how good was that to see uh, in this thing? And on the heels of Broderick Jones saying, "I, you know, I, uh, 200 should be our uh, uh, goal there. Yeah, let that guy set the goals <laughs> <laughs> uh, every week. Look, they came out and, and, and they really were running the ball, especially uh, early in this game. And and especially on that right side, uh, for sure. You know, Broderick, I thought James Daniels had a great first quarter uh, on into the second quarter there. There was uh, Mason Cole, you seen him. I thought overall he played a pretty good game in the run game, get to the second level uh, in there. You saw some of these dark, you know, concepts with Broderick coming across uh, and, 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 and blocking. You saw some pull, some more pulling uh, in this game. I think the most notable thing is, is on a lot of these runs, uh, especially in the first half of this game, uh, there wasn't really contact being made on these running backs until they were a good you know, a couple of yards uh, past the line. Heck, there was a couple of holes in there. I think I could have got a yard or two uh, <laughs> uh, uh, with, with this offense. And now, you know, that's a couple of weeks in a row. Obviously, Broderick Jones, second start uh, uh, at right tackle. That's going swimmingly uh, well at this point. But, you know, the, the overarching thought here is, is they've got that traction now in the run game. Uh, back-to-back games here. It's the kind of thing that you would expect moving forward, and it takes a lot of onus uh, off the passing game overall uh, at this point. And really, those first couple of drives, you know, the re- reason they were able to go down and score was, was be- because they were able to run the football. Heck, they had, what, 100 net yards rushing uh, in the first half. And then as this thing obviously uh, played out, uh, uh, Jalen Warren had, you know, his first hundred yard game for him for so good for him. Uh, both of the running backs really ran hard overall, you know, a uh, couple of explosive runs in this game, which is always, I always like to say that's stealing, uh, when you can get that. So, uh, and look, you're going to have to run the ball the further you get into winter, right? 
uh, especially mm-hmm. with this offense. And uh, they, they have picked a good time, almost like last season, right? That running game came, uh, came yeah, alive. At, at, around the exact same time, too, right. like week nine, week 10 kind of range. Right. So uh, you're going to need that moving forward here. And it's a great time to get that thing uh, on on track overall. And uh, just, you know, once again, I, I think one of the biggest things that, that, that stuck out was, you know, these running backs are getting, you know, two, three yards past the line of scrimmage because before any contacts being made and they're both running very, very hard after contact. So uh, that certainly is good to see. It's exciting. It, it's needed. It's required for a passing offense that's clearly going to be below average, probably at best throughout the rest of the season. Um, so to run for have that kind of productivity to, uh, you know, get the game started to I, w- I would say, you know, give yourself third and short, but they really were poor on third down in this game. So it, it's weird to run for 205 and be, th- be that bad on third down as, as Pittsburgh was in this game. But besides that, yeah, the line, I think is doing a great job up front. Uh, the names you mentioned, Cole. Daniels, I know, say Malu moved that dude on that one run that I think Warren had left side and Broderick Jones, you know, pulling and you, know, you put Jones in a right tackle your last two games and are having really tremendously strong rushing outputs. Probably not a coincidence there. But yeah, over the last two weeks, they Pittsburgh second in the NFL with 371 yards rushing. That's only behind Baltimore. 5.6 yards per attempt is third in the NFL behind the Lions and the Ravens and three rushing touchdowns is tied for second in the NFL too. So it's taken too long the last two seasons to get this run game going, but this is what Pittsburgh wanted to be. They wanted to be physical up front, you know, win at the first level. Um, The zone track was better. There weren't the the negative plays in this game that there were early in the season. And so to have Warren, to have Harris, to rotate those guys, they were really even in terms of carries and probably snap count and those types of things. It's a a really good one-two punch right now. Yeah, look, you're seeing a lot, especially in that game yesterday, some benefits of uh, Allen Robinson. You know, uh, uh, not that he. Sometimes all you got to do is just get a piece of somebody. You mm-hmm. know, uh, especially when you're talking about those wide receivers on the edge. And I thought there were two or three runs in that game were uh, not dominating blocks by by Allen Robinson, but just enough that it ends up uh, getting six, seven, eight, or even you know, an explosive uh, uh, run in there. So you, you, you're starting to see some of the dividends of, 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 of the blocking aspect when it comes to Allen Robinson. Which is good because the passing game returns have not really been there for anybody not named Deontay Johnson and George Pickens over the last four or five weeks. And even Johnson and Pickens, of course, pretty quiet. The whole passing game was not doing much, not asked to do much yesterday, which is probably the best thing you can say is don't don't ask this passing game to do a whole lot. Let this running game be the the part that speaks the loudest for this offense. And it has. So Jalen Warren, first 100-yard rushing game in the NFL. Kudos to him. Uh, you just wish you could grind out this clock a little bit better the last you know, two games, the offense has been unable to close things out. They've had to have the defense make literal last play stops. But uh, overall, you know, this run game was huge. The, the first two drives were excellent. You know, see Pittsburgh go back to back like that. Um, Harris and Warren, you really felt like the line was setting the tone early in this game. You saw a couple of screens actually kind of work in this one as well, too, right? Don't go telling anybody now this team yeah. might be able to run a couple of them. So, yeah, I mean, it's all, you know, kind of working together. Um, and again, you want to hopefully see play action open up off of that. Not that you need to have a great running game to do that, but it certainly does not help or does not hurt, I should say. So, um, yeah, the energy that, that Warren brings, uh, the power that, that Harris has, those guys being able to rotate, stay fresh is, is critical. 
third downs, you know, they were okay in the first half, but in the second half, what were they? One of six or one of seven. And the one that they did convert was the Kenny Pickett, uh, scramble, uh, there. Now they weren't, quite a few of these weren't very manageable type situations and and that obviously uh hurt and then you had the one third down that they converted to uh to to pickens one of few one of the one of the only ones over the middle of the field uh that looked like it it, it was going to potentially ice the game at the time there uh that gets called back on on offensive pass interference on uh calvin austin the third and I don't know what you thought about that, but that that looked like a little bit of a looked like the looked like the Packers defender really kind of initiated the contact on uh, uh, on that overall felt kind of ticky tack on that. But uh, they could have made it made it made it easier on themselves in, you know, in the second half of this game had they converted more third downs. Yeah, to be again four thirteen on third down, they did convert their one fourth down attempt. That was the tush push, right on fourth down. I believe that they got there early in, in that game. Um, that's disappointing. When you went for two hundred five, you would expect to be able to be more successful on third down to put yourself in some shorter yardage situations. And to see the, the success that Green Bay had that Pittsburgh did not have that was um, unusual for how well Pittsburgh ran the football. Let's see. They had uh, in the second half a third and seventeen. That was a completed pass uh, to uh, uh, Connor. That was well short of the chains. They had a third and three on an incompletion to Jalen Warren. They had a third and uh, ten. That was incomplete. They had a third and two, which that was the one I believe that Kenny Pickett rolled out on and threw, got thrown away at the last second there. Uh, the third and six was the Pickett scramble that he picked it up. Uh, the third and nine was the one completed to Pickens, but called back on a, I think that was the one that was called back on uh, offensive pass interference. Mm-hmm. And then the final one was just a give up uh, run on third and 19 uh, with 152 left in the game. So they were in third and long consistently. And the run game did kind of shrink in that middle portion, the second, third quarter, especially. The run game was not nearly as effective. I'll have to see what Green Bay was doing to maybe combat that. I don't have a great feel for that off the top of my head. Um, but but again, to run for 205, to be in those third and longs, you can't have that continue. Right, exactly. And and you're going to have to start throwing the ball around the yard a little bit better, too. I mean, th- this is uh, – you have to go back to Ben Roethlisberger's final home game in, uh, what, 2000 and – what season was it? 21? One. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the Browns to find the last te- time the team won a game with, with so few uh, net, net passing yards there. So uh, – uh, you know, they got, they, they, they obviously look, you here, here's the key element to these things, you know, uh, be able to run the football with, 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 with some sense of, uh, uh, success, uh, don't turn the football over at all. Mm-hmm. And even though the defense statistically not playing great when it comes to the, uh, overall yardage thing, they're get they're getting these takeaways still and they're getting them at timely times on top of it. And this team has 18 total takeaways, 
on the season. Six of them, Alex, have come mm. uh, inside the red zone, and two of them yesterday. And boy, were those things key uh, to to as Mike Tomlin says, engineering victory. Your last three takeaways have all been in the end zone, correct? You had the Quan pick to beat Tennessee. That was at the goal line. You had the Peterson tip to Nia, which was in the end zone, and Casey, which was very similar to Quan at the goal line. So, yeah, I mean, not only red zone, but like in the end zone type of plays. I imagine those six takeaways in the red zone leads the NFL. I, I can't imagine there's another team that, that has more than Pittsburgh right now. I didn't look, but I would imagine it's hard. Yeah. That'd be hard to top. Yeah, so... If you, to answer the question, how is this team six and three, which is a question that I think many in the national media and probably some Steeler fans are asking, as you just said, Dave, they are tied first in the NFL with 18 takeaways, six of those in the red zone, which we can probably safely bet leads the NFL and they are plus 10 in turnover differential turnover ratio. Uh, that's also tied first in the NFL with the Bengals. And so when you take care of the football, you take the football away at a high rate, you tend to win those games. Right, right. Uh, now, what about the passing game? Not much, not much there. And it was disappointing because I really thought that, okay, Pickens and or Johnson's going to have a big game. Alexander, their top corners out. That secondary was not that talented overall. They've had some injuries there, some young guys trying to, to battle for playing time. And I thought, okay, Pickens and Johnson can really take advantage. And it just did not happen. And I mean, again, the passing game was not really asked to do much. And they were put in some third and long type situations, which is not you know, helpful, obviously, but just really getting almost nothing from the passing game, Dave. Yeah, nothing to the middle of the field, nothing really down the field, so to speak. Uh, man, you look at the passing chart uh, for uh, for Pickett, you look at the uh, the route target uh, 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 chart for, for Pickens in this one, and you just, you just hope that they can somehow start figuring this thing out when it comes to being able to throw the football a little bit, you know. Uh, you know not only higher completion rate, but uh, you know, down the field and, and, you know, they, what they have, a, 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 did they have any, they didn't have, did they have any passing explosive plays in this one? I don't think so. Pickens would have been one. Uh, let's see what the long, uh, yeah, Pick, Pickens had one. That was that, uh, that, that, uh, back lower shoulder. back shoulder. Yeah. Right. Okay. 28, but that was the only one I believe in this game. Right. And then they had a couple of, uh, run explosive plays A good thing. They, they, they had those in, in this one, they had three total explosive plays. Two of them were runs. And then one of them was the one on, on the right side, uh, to Pickens and, uh, zero explosive plays in the first half. Yeah, just, again, disappointing considering the opponent felt like you could take advantage and make some plays. I mean, you know, Kenny Pickett overall took care of the football, and that's paramount. Almost had that one interception that was initially ruled a pick, but then overturned the uh, corner, only got his one foot down. Just felt like Pickett was on his first read, kind of locked in, which I saw early in the season, really wasn't going through his progressions, and that probably led to some issues and really made him a sideline type of thrower. I know the lack of targets to the middle of the field is concerning, I just don't know how many weapons you're targeting middle of the field. Robinson and Austin, those guys aren't providing much. The tight ends, you know, have really not been super involved in this offense, obviously. So I can understand that to some degree your, your top weapons are to the outside, but are there ways to scheme this thing up so you're at least providing some sort of threat to the middle of the field? I think it's a, a valid, you know, critique and concern. 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see once the all twenty two drops today of, of, of see if there were any maybe potential, you know, digs or 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 you know, anything like now. He did obviously hit Pickens in that one late in the game and had had that one stood. I mean, we really would be talking about that being a key point to seal victory uh in that game. But uh, you know, that one that one was called back. But uh uh Man, you just yes, we talk about this every week, especially when it comes to the middle of the field kind of stuff. And you just wish that this team would be able to push the football down the field a little bit more in 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 the passing game. How many? How many? Uh, there was the one kind of deeper down the right side to Deontay Johnson that he probably should have had uh, there go off his hands. I, I'm, I'm interested to look at a, another view of that to see how much. I mean, it did hit his hands. I don't know how, how, how you know, if 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 that's going to be credited for a pass defense or not on that one by the defender on that play there. But you know, that's obviously one that that you wish you would have had that was thrown down the field a little ways there. But the here's the good news: is you're you're six and three, and you're still trying to figure this out. You still got half a season to go to try to start getting some semblance of a passing game. I think one of the things that, that's a little bit concerning overall outside of the passing charts and all like that is, is there were a handful of interceptable balls on this in, in this game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was what one along the left side and uh, one that Nixon, you know, again, initially ruled a pick that was not then not an interception, but you had that, lateral that they ruled incomplete which i think pittsburgh caught a break on that one it's it's a close call but it certainly could have gone the packers way so that would have been a turnover although not technically an interception so pittsburgh certainly you know is fortunate green bay to not take advantage of some chances that they had right what do you think about that i mean to me it looked in real time and 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 really the the replays it looked like that was a lateral but gene uh, sterator had a pretty uh, lengthy Twitter post on it. I'm, I bet it'll be on DVE talking about that uh, either today or tomorrow about it. But was it was it conclusive enough? Yeah, it's probably one of those things. Whatever the call on the field is, is what the call remains as. There was some other question too about when was that play blown dead? Was it after the Packers showed a clear recovery and those type of elements? I don't know, you know, what the consideration would have been there. It became moot once the pass was, you know, ruled to be in a place standing as incomplete. So I don't know. It did look like a lateral to me, though. That was my impression of it. So I was pretty nervous about the outcome of that play. And I think Pittsburgh caught a break there. Yeah, but in the same breath, you could say the Packers caught a break on that <laughs> OPI. Maybe I don't know. It, uh, I'm sure they're. I'm. I'm and yeah, I'm, I'm. Even their head coach said after the game, he thought you know for for sure that was that was a uh, uh, a fumble on that play. You know, a, a backwards pass uh, on that one there. So, look, they. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and and mm-hmm. they they they've obviously gotten a couple of breaks there and got one I think on that on that on that backwards pass. Just to go back to the passing game overall again, not that I'm placing sole blame on the players, but I think over the last four games, Allen Robinson has two receptions, and Calvin Austin has three or four, and they've all been short, you know, underneath type of stuff. So you know, now Deontay Johnson, George Pickens did not have big productive uh, days yesterday, but you just kind of look at, okay, what's your passing game made up of and your, you know, number three slot receivers are providing essentially no production in the passing game. It's a lot of empty routes that are being run out there, Dave. Boy, it sure will be nice to get Firemuth back, won't it? 
assuming they throw to him a bit more than they yeah. had been. I mean, eight receptions in his first, you know, three and a half games. So I imagine he, you know, will get more involved. Listen, Connor kind of get more involved, although some of that's been third forever kind of check down type stuff. But yeah, it certainly uh, will be welcome, welcoming to get uh, Pat Fryer with back. And what was the other point I was going to make in this about the pass again? I, I, I lost my train of thought there, but uh, uh, they're going to have, you know, oh, I know I was going to say, you know, obvi- obviously the, the narrative can, can continues right now about, you know, there's there, they can't keep this up with, you know, uh, the way they're going and, and win a game in the playoffs and all like that. Okay. I mean, that, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with that, but on the flip side, you've got to get to the playoffs to, to mm-hmm. not be able to do that in the playoffs. Right. So, uh, yeah. The good thing here, and Mike Tomlin would, would, would probably reiterate here, is you're winning while you're still trying to figure this thing out right now. Yeah, I mean, that that is obviously the positive. You'd rather, you know, have to deal with all that kind of conversation in, in winning than losing. And as you said, you got to buy the lottery ticket to get in the playoffs and see what happens from there. And again, Pittsburgh, overall, from a statistical standpoint, they are protect, protecting the football. Kenny Pickett, no interceptions in five straight games. That is the, now the only uh, fourth quarterback in Steelers history to ever do that. Minimum 15 attempts uh, over that stretch. And so he could actually tie the Steelers record for six straight games without a pick. Uh, if he does so against the Browns, which will be a tough task to do, but that's uh, set by Bubby Brister had a six game oh. interception list streak back in whenever that was. And so we'll see if Pickett's able to match that. And Pickett only sacked one time over the last two games. So avoiding that negativity, avoiding the big negativity of the turnovers uh, right now with a healthy run game, it's enough to win. Yep. Uh, and you, you, you obviously, once again, you get into these winter winter months and, and look, you're going to face a very good Browns defense this week, right? And you're going to have to be able to run the ball to, 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 to control things and, and hope your passing game gets a little bit better here. But I mean, it, it's no secret really of, of how this team is winning. And it starts with not turning the football over and then getting some semblance of a run game and, you know, having your defense keep, keep, keep the opposition out of the end zone uh, as much as possible and getting those key turnovers. And I mean, it, it felt like it certainly, it certainly didn't feel like that, like they, all they gave up was two field goals in that second half. Right. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. So yeah, it's never great when your starting quarterback has as many touchdown passes as number of wins that you have as a team pick it mm. with six, this team with six. But um, again, that goes to the long-term concerns about, you know, high floor, low ceiling type team. Can they win the playoffs? Can they beat a Bengals team? They're going to face the Bengals twice this year. And that's a team that can put up points in bunches. And can you hang with them? Those are going to be, I think, great litmus tests for where this team is at. And of course, as you said, the Browns defense, how, you know, strong they are. Pittsburgh will, will certainly have their hands full of tougher tasks than what they faced against the Titans and the Packers. So, uh, all things to talk about later in the week, but, you know, right now, just happy to, Talk about a win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I tell you what was uh, what what felt pretty surprising was them getting a uh, getting a field goal out of that that one drive where it was really pretty much what just a uh, uh, the, the 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 back shoulder pass to to uh, uh, Pickens, you know, and then then you know a, a couple of runs later and you're you're in field goal territory there. Which, which drive was that? Uh, Trying to pick it up here on the play-by-play here, but I mean, oh, I mean, start uh, credit to Anthony McFarlane because he had a nice return. Mm-hmm. Oh, here it is. Uh, it was 
right after the Packers field goal with 3.07 left, I think, in the third quarter. You got a nice return by McFarlane for 37 yards. The first play after that was uh, uh, the the Pickens uh, back shoulder down the right sideline for 28 yards. Uh, then you had Jalen Warren up the middle for just two yards, uh, Warren for five yards and incomplete on third down. But that, you know, the special teams, you could say played a role. Boy, can you say the special teams played mm-hmm. play, play a role in this one uh, here because you had an incomplete on third and three uh, at the Packers 31. And even though it didn't felt feel like you did much overall on offense on that drive. Well, heck, I mean, you only had what one, two, three, four, four plays, I think overall, and you get a 49 yard field goal, uh, from Boswell, uh, and you need, you needed, every, you needed <laughs> all, all those points in, in this game. And then you had the Patrick Peterson blocked extra point, uh, in this game that ended up, uh, being, being huge overall in this one. And then obviously Boswell with, with, you know, what, what did, uh, Mike, Mike Tomlin say after the game automatic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when it, when it comes to him. So, uh, special teams, on on one side of the ball or you know in one aspect did their part but in another aspect and this ended up being one of my five keys to the game uh Alex and it probably surprised some people with Nixon but you know he he entered this game as as technically I think the top kick returner uh in the NFL and you know the Steelers haven't been great top to bottom when it covers comes to covering these kickoffs here I was a little bit worried about uh, them covering these kickoffs in this game and with good reason because Nixon gave them some good field position with a couple of their uh uh kickoffs uh kickoff returns in this game so but you know the Steelers on special teams did enough on the other side to help counteract that almost ran one back took one to Steelers territory and the strategy seemed a bit Strange to me, I know you can debate this one, but deliberately Pittsburgh was allowing returns. They were kicking short. They appeared to be trying to maximize hang time. It's not like wind was an issue or Boswell was incapable of driving the ball to the end zone. I guess the calculation was, listen, we know that Nixon's a great return man. He's aggressive. Uh, Dave, we talked about that on Friday's show. He's going to return some of these out that are eight yards deep in the end zone. So instead of doing that, let's try to maximize hang time, have our coverage team to get down there. And, uh, and, you know, make those kind of stops. And they didn't tackle well and there's some execution type stuff, but I don't know. I just don't love kicking it short on a great return, man. I get the intent of what Pittsburgh was trying to do. I just think it's just not a great strategy when you're facing a pretty strong guy like Nixon. Man, you, you're running out of weeks to probably because of the weather to try to kick this ball out of the back of the end zone, right? So, <laughs> so against, uh, against a team that, that has one of the top kick returners, I, I would have been more apt to just boot it out of the back of the end zone if he could. Yeah, I mean, maybe you, the, the question is, can you get quite that far or do you get seven yards deep? But I, I still would rather make him return it from eight yards, seven yards deep, and then hopefully get one good stop at, say, the Packers 23-yard line, and you get that special teams coach for Green Bay, Rich Passaccia, to tell Nixon, hey, man, you got to stop returning these because we're hurting people position here. So if you kind of just get that one stop early, you can maybe can set the tone to let Nixon eat the ball the rest of the way. Instead, he's getting these, you know, he's returning at, at their seven at their, you know, in, in the field of play. And, you know, he's capable of really doing some damage there. So didn't love the strategy there. But overall, as you said, they special teams. Yeah, the boss excellent from a field goal perspective. Harvard had some good punts and and shout out to Christian Kuntz for playing through the knee or the ankle, whatever it was. Uh, that dude's probably really hurt today. 
I don't even know this dude's going to play on Sunday against the, against the Browns. I mean, who knows what's the, the, the situation there is for Christian Koontz, but um, there really was no other option but for Koontz to gut this one out and finish out as a team snapper. At the very least, it won't be surprising if they bring someone in uh, uh, on the practice squad this week. Yeah, I think they're going to have some tryouts at least to, uh, to to see some options there because even you never want to be on your backup long snapper, obviously, but the backup long snapper was Cole Holcomb, who's now out for the season. So you were on the backup to the backup, the third string long snapper, which DJ I have Watt. no idea who that is. Was that DJ Watt? Yeah, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's TJ Watt. Right. I think Derek was the guy last year, right? I think in some respect. I forget what the uh, situation was last year. So um all that is to say that Koontz had to be the guy to finish that one out he did he snapped well so credit to him yeah absolutely uh all right what else about offense do we need uh to to talk about here uh that probably covers it pretty well I think just uh Broderick Jones really looking natural at right tackle which surprises me for the lack of experience there but maybe the lack of experience is almost a good thing for him where he's not like ingrained at, at a left tackle not a 40 game starter where those habits are really cemented in stone so I don't know. He's a great athlete. Obviously, he's a pretty quick learner, smart guy. So that that helps as well. But maybe actually the lack of experience at left tackle is helping him make that transition to right tackle. Boy, you can see the athleticism. And that's something we talked about in that 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 last start as well, too. The ability to get to the second. Wait till this guy starts finishing blocks. Because <laughs> yeah, he, he, he could afford to finish a few more blocks, right? I'll have to check the tape. I'm sure probably to some extent. Um, but yeah, that, if that's the worst thing he's doing, then then we're pretty happy about the right, results. Right. I mean, there were he had a couple of nice turnouts in this, especially early, man. Like I said, that that right side of that offensive line uh, with uh, James Daniels, I, I really thought had a great opening quarter on into the second uh, quarter uh, there. And as, as I mentioned, I thought uh, uh, Sayamalo did uh, did what he needed to do, especially on some of those pulls. Uh Yes, you saw Cole a couple of times get uh, uh, get to the second level and do what he needed to do. I mean, look, the proof is in the pudding once again. You run the football for 200-something yards, and and you have these backs not getting first contact until uh, until you know two or three yards past the line of scrimmage. That that means the offensive line uh, did <clears throat> did their job. Pass protection, probably a couple. Dan Moore getting getting walked back a couple of times. I think you know it, it obviously wasn't perfect, but. You know, Kenny Pickett only sacked, I think, what would you say, one time in this game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some additional pressure. We had to scramble, but again, just the one sack is the ultimate uh, figure on the box score. I assume tight end blocking was better. I imagine Washington probably did his part, and I thought Dan Moore and some of those toss plays were able to you know, uh, provide some blocks mm-hmm. in space. So uh, did, did you love the toss plays on third and short? It's one of those where if it worked, you say, hey, great call, candidate. If it doesn't work, you say, why are you running a toss on third and two? But uh, they were pretty aggressive with it, but, but they right. worked out in, in the Steelers' favor. Look, they mixed the run game up really, really good with with the calls. I I, I really thought. I thought they real. We saw all aspects of the running game in this one. I mean, and they, they had a couple RPOs early and and all like that. So I thought they mixed up the run game overall, where you, where it wasn't very predictable as far as what kind of run you would see. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they ran like crunch and stuff. How much did they? pull the guards in this game, Dave, do you think? I know Jones pulled some early on those dart schemes. Did the guards pull a lot, do you think? Well, I know Jalen ran into the butt of Sayamalo <laughs> on one of them, didn't he? Yeah. On the touchdown, did they they, they pulled on the touchdown that Warren right. had, I think, right? That was right. Sayamalo coming around. So that was one example. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to, to the football and uh, live stream with Merrill Hodge after the fact, but you heard, you know, Hodge talk about it. And we talked about this. You know, the first month of the season, where were the pulling guards? Where were the guys on the move? And Pittsburgh's gotten back to a 
power gap scheme run game and it's it's paid dividends they still had some zone and the zone schemes have been better the whole run game of course has been better but what is pittsburgh's bread and butter for the last 50 years with the run game it is the power mm. run game it is pulling those guards that has been the staple from mullins to fanica to the castro etc uh, pittsburgh has always had the guys to do it this year with with say Malu and daniels and they're finally doing it and you're seeing a lot of success yeah keep it up last stop for the offense and for the running game Najee Harris's hurdles. I know Ben got on him about that on his podcast or his uh, his live stream there. Um, I know it's something he does. He's done done his whole career. Sometimes though, they do seem a little excessive, Dave. I just worry about him getting hurt up, in, up 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 in there more than anything. Look, if 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 the thing that we have to knock on Najee Harris or 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 any running back in this game uh, is is a hurdle uh, attempt. Uh, if, you know, that's 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 way down the list of concern. I think when it comes to I understand Ben's point. I agree on that play in particular that it cost him a couple yards and a first down uh, on on that one. Uh, I just every time he does it, I just worry about how he's going to come down from it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, there were some hard falls for sure. But you did have the one where, you know, it's what first and 10. And if he puts his shoulder down, it's going to they're going to convert. And instead they move the ball back at second and two. You do have to play to your size. There was the one in open grass where Harris hurdled, and, and there was no one there even really hurdled, just kind of jumping next to the Packers DB. And so um, it's an instinct thing. I know it's not like something he's planning, and it's just kind of what you're doing in the moment. But, uh, you know, maybe have a bit of a conversation about, I'm not opposed to him hurdling ever, but just be more selective about when it's a good time to hurdle and when it's a good time to put your shoulder down and run. Well, it's not like he doesn't have a long history of doing it, <laughs> going, right. I mean, all, going all the way back to high school. He did it in high school too. Is yeah, that yeah, started in it? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I know it's you know very much part of his game, and, and kudos to him if he can jump like that at his size. I mean, I'd be doing it too. But Connor, um, Connor was... likes to do those lately as well too. Connor's, <laughs> Connor's become a little bit of a hurdler. Yeah, the meatball in the air on that one. Um, but anyway, yeah, again, two hundred five. If if they, if, if the, as you said, the worst thing about Harris is the hurdles, and you run for two hundred five. I'll take that every day of the week. There, Dave. All right. All right. Flipping over to the defense and. And I don't know. I don't really know how to react to the to the defensive performance here, Dave. As you said, the takeaways late, fourth quarter interceptions, end zone, you know, interceptions, critical moments of the game. Uh, that's all you know, great. But I just thought this defense, and again, they only allowed, only allowed nineteen points, so it's hard to be mad about that overall. But I feel like this defense could have and should have done more in this game. Man, eight explosive plays they gave up uh, in this one. Uh, one on a forty yarder on the ground, which was a nice uh, double pull. Uh, by the Packers on that. I mean, some sometimes they're gonna, you know, occasionally these things are gonna split open like a like a ripe ripe melon, right? And and it did perfectly uh, on on that one. But uh, the other stuff in between in the passing game, that that was a bit concerning. Uh, uh, one of those on uh, to to Musgrave right down the middle field was that a cover two with Riley trying to carry? I, I'll have to check the field 22, but I believe it will look cover two. Yes. Uh, and you would think of all guys to have in there to be able to run with somebody down the middle of the field. You'd think you'd be able to run with him, wouldn't you? Yeah. I don't know if he kind of guessed on the route or maybe Musgrave gave him a shake. I, I mean, Riley's not played a lot of football this year defensively. So maybe there's some rust. I, I'll have to check the all 22 on that. Uh, uh, what happened on the read touchdown, Alex? Miscommunication? That was the 35 yarder on right. third and 16, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're set up trips to, to all one side. Uh, you got Wallace over in the slot. Pittsburgh doesn't typically do that with their corners. So it's not a situation Pittsburgh's been in a lot. I don't know if it was 
I don't know if it was miscommunication. I'm going to have to check the tape. You know, there were two Neil running to, with him at the end, though, right? Yeah, Neil has to help there. I mean, Wallace kind of has outside leverage. Neil's to the inside. He's got to be able to provide help. I just think Pittsburgh doesn't have the athletes to cover and run in space. I think that's the, the big issue, my big takeaway from this game, uh, especially with Minka Fitzpatrick out. Porter can run, obviously, but it, it's Wallace, it's Neil, it's Casey, uh, et cetera, the linebackers when you're hurting guys um, in, in communication issues on top of that. So my concern was, I said this Friday, was the Packers have athletes at receiver, at tight end. They can run, and Pittsburgh cannot really run that well. And so I think it limited the play calls for Pittsburgh, especially late. And they really could not man up on these guys because it, it did not work. Yeah, and on the first touchdown to uh, to to Romeo Dubs on a corner, uh, he you know just Levi Wallace late getting getting with him on that. I think there might have been miscommunication there because it was a late adjustment Pittsburgh made, and I'll have to check the tape. And I think maybe there was some slight miscommunication or just trying to communicate things right at the snap that that slowed Pittsburgh down. And Pittsburgh cannot afford to be any slower on defense right now. Right. Right. I mean, um, look, they had it wasn't just one guy killing them on the explosive yeah. play, as, as, as you noted. I mean, Reed, uh, Musgrave, uh, Reed had two explosive plays uh, in this. What what'd you think on that that late one uh, there? Uh, was that just having to be in coverage too long? The un, kind of that weird throw that by uh, by Love. Was that just another situation of just uh, the guy beating you to the ball? That one looked really strange because mm-hmm. it felt like, Love was just throwing that up in the air like a jump ball. And that receiver, there's no one within 10 yards. That Wicks that caught that ball, I think it was, whoever yeah. it was, Raider Wicks. Uh, Casey should have been over there. He was kind of floating towards the middle of the field, going left to right. And I, I don't think he ever found the football. I mean, he's got to be over there to make that play. Somebody's got to make it a play there. Um, but I think Casey just kind of lost where the ball was at and saw it way too late. Well, I mean, this has been a bugaboo for this defense all season with the with the explosive plays, right? Yeah, I, I said that consistently that the Steelers defense throughout the season has not been great. They've been a splash defense in that they have created a ton of splash. Again, 18 takeaways leading or tied for the NFL lead, and they've allowed a lot of splash. I believe they now have the most plays of 20-plus yards allowed on the season. I can double-check that as we talk about it right now. So they are a splash play team in terms of that they create the big play and they allow the big play at basically the same rate. And then giving up a couple of these on third and long situations, too. That hurts. Uh, they yeah. gave up a third and seven one. Uh, that was the one to, uh, to, to to Musgrave up 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 the gut. Uh, no. They gave up a third and 16 on the touchdown to uh, Love to Reed. And then a third and 10 uh, to, to Wicks for 32 yards on a, in a key situation in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, their first two touchdowns were on third down, third and seven to Dubs for the touchdown, and then third and 16, the 35-yarder to Reed. So not only are you allowing conversions, you're allowing touchdowns off of conversions on third and long. I mean, I don't know how many third and longs the Packers committed in this one, but I think you just kind of rattled them off a bunch of them. And that just, you know, it's not, not, not just the fact that you're allowing the conversion, but you're allowing the ball to go in the end zone. Uh, that just makes it 10 times worse. Yeah, normally you don't come out of uh, giving up eight explosive plays if you're not matching them. Uh, this team just keeps ignoring the, the top. <laughs> what, was, the, what was the talk stat in this one? Uh, it, it was uh, eight, uh, eight to five because they had okay. the I, I put eight to four on Twitter, but I forgot the final uh, interception of the game. So the Steelers had three explosive plays, two takeaways for five on their ledger, and the Packers had eight explosive plays. So another uh minus three uh in in the talks yet coming away with a win and they were minus three against tennessee i believe they were negative i think right yeah i think it was three yes 
So minus, I, what would, I, I would love to know what the record of teams that are minus three in the talk stat are. It has to be a pretty low winning percentage. Yeah, can I, imagine. I, I can't imagine over the last five years, it's very high. Yeah, and yet Pittsburgh, the last two games have been wins. Now, again, it's been against the Titans and the Packers, not exactly Super Bowl contenders, but still, this talk stats are the talk stats regardless of the opponent, and uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable for Pittsburgh. But yeah, I just looked up the numbers here. Pittsburgh has allowed 47 plays of 20-plus yards this year. That's pass or rush. That is worst in the NFL. So that is not the place you want to be, but they make up for it with their big plays, uh, with the takeaways, the strip sack fumbles, the interceptions, fumble recoveries, et cetera. Yeah, look, six of them in the uh, six of the 18 in the red zone. And uh, Patrick Peterson, boy, he played that one good uh, on it. It looked like uh, double double uh, out and ups uh, on, on, on that play, trying to co- conflict. Uh, who was it? Uh, Neil? Was it on that one? Uh, Probably. Was, what was this? He ended up with the interception right on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Peterson read it and kind of kind of pinned him, knew he didn't have uh, much much room to work with on the sideline and just mirrored him uh, on the up and got his head, head around right away. And just, you know, it's almost like he knew he was going to do that, especially his reaction afterwards, because it's hard – the way he, he he was running away from the football, it's hard that he got a good look at at, at, at the actual interception, but he knew it happened the way way he posed in front of the camera. <laughs> I <laughs> probably heard the crowd when the crowd's yeah. going crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I think he did, said after the game that he he knew somebody was in the air. He didn't know what teammate it was, but knew there was a, a safety over there that hopefully he could, could just bat the ball to. That was a, a veteran savvy play. I've been pretty critical of Patrick Peterson this year. I think understandably and justifiably so, but I thought he had a great game. I mean, he did not allow those big plays. He made big plays. The block extra point, as you said, that is what a huge play that was, Dave. Mm. So to make that a four-point game. He came a point. long way on that, too. He's so long, though, you know? Yeah, and he times it. And do you think maybe playing playing with Minnesota helped him a little bit in terms of seeing the Packers kind of knowing their operation a little bit? I don't know. It, it couldn't have hurt there. Uh, but, yeah, to make that a four-point game throughout, because if it's a three-point game, the way the Packers attack this thing is totally different, not having to put the ball in the end zone. Uh, that is that might be the play of the game there, Dave, because that was that that really changed the entire course and changed how the Packers attack things. Yeah, I don't know if you call that a turning point or not, but it sure made a difference late in the game, obviously, because uh, they needed the touchdown at the end. Yeah, and again, he's playing slot corner. He's playing now safety in in dime packages, so he's moving around wearing hats. Again, there's still you know I don't think it's been a great year overall for Pat Pete, but I thought he he played his best football, and you saw at least why this team signed him for the results in the Packers game. All right. The run defense, they gave up uh, 116 yards on the ground, but uh, 40 of those came on one run. Now you obviously can't sit here and uh, cherry pick this, these things, but we're going to do it uh, anyway. What's the, uh, let's see. They had uh, 22, 24 total runs in this game. Take the uh, 116 and subtract 40 from it. That gives you 76 divided by one less run, which is, what did I say? What they uh, have? 20, see, 24. 24 so, 23. So, so divided by 23, what is that? 3.3. All right. Not, not awful uh, for sure. 
Uh, yeah, I was I was happy with the run defense. Yeah, I, I think oh, I thought Keanu Benton did a good job getting off some blocks in this guy. I thought Loudermilk one time got off a nice block uh uh and 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 made a play. So overall, uh the run defense uh other than that 40-yard bust, uh, you know, uh, uh split that they had on 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 the pulling to to that side there. Thought the run defense held its own pretty good. Yeah, they rallied, they tackled well. Um Atlanta Roberts, boy, that, that I, I worry about that guy's health, <laughs> the way he comes down attacking yeah. the run. All gas, no brakes type of dude. And Mark Robb is, is, is very similar, similarly built in terms of that mindset. So I think run defense can still hold up, even though uh, you've lost Holcomb and Alexander. Those guys can be, be, maybe be a little over-aggressive and prone to play fakes in misdirection because they are so just attack, attack. But you, if you're running power, you're running pullers, Roberts is going to be the first man there to meet you. So, um, you know, Hayward coming back, obviously, is a big help as well. Uh, Benton's playing great football. You know, even whenever Adams gets healthy, even if he's good for the Browns game, Benton has to start a nose tackle. Yeah. I know I've kind of downplayed that a little bit throughout the season. I think Adams has played well, but Benton is just kicking butt and taking names. So he's the guy going forward. Yeah, like I put on Twitter in the middle of the night there, wait till this guy makes his second year jump. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary, man. Yeah, I mean, this dude's playing just just tremendous football right now. But I think maybe limiting his snap count early in the season takes a little off his plate, allows him to really kind of refine his technique, you know, make some mistakes and learn from them. So I'm, I'm okay with the way they've kind of eased him into this. Obviously, he's playing more because of Adam's injury. Um, but I imagine that, you know, Benton's going to be the dude the rest of the way. And runs after the football real well. And that's, we, we've talked about that a couple of times now. You talk about plays you shouldn't forget. How about the open field tackle he had on that screen? It was Roberts did a mm-hmm. good job to disrupt it, but then Benton hustling. If he doesn't make that play, that's probably a touchdown for Aaron Jones. I don't know exactly what's behind that, but there's a couple of blockers. There's only, I think, Patrick Peterson over there. I'm betting a dollar that's a touchdown for the Packers. I think they, they kicked the field goal because of that drive. So Benton made a huge play in space on that, on that screen pass. Yeah, just uh, you you can you can definitely pick him out running after the football, which is obviously a good trait to have and something John Mitchell for years when he was uh, with the team stressed. Yeah, required to have. If you're going to be a D-lineman in Pittsburgh, you better run to the football. One thing we didn't see much of in this game, to me, Dave, is one of the biggest disappointments, lack of a pass rush. Jordan Love, 40 dropbacks. Or there were 40 pass attempts. I think he had 42 dropbacks in total. Only sacked once, only hit five times, and I really feel like that pass rush was not there. But honestly, we talked about this last night, Dave, you and I, in our in our group chat. They did not rotate these guys. Mm-hmm. They just, I mean, TJ Watt played 97% of the snaps. Highsmith, 93% of the snaps. Um, not sure what that, that rationale is, because I think those guys were just gassed the entire game. Yeah, I, I would be curious to hear, hear uh, Mike Tomlin and Terrell Austin address that uh, this week. I mean, uh, Mark, I can understand Herbig not getting a lot of snaps overall, uh, in the game, but Marcus Golden only played five and Herbig only played two. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it's not like you came into this game and said, you know, look, they, they can obviously run the football. You knew they were going to try to run the football, but it, it wasn't thought of in my, my opinion is, is that, daunting of a of, of a run attack overall uh heading into this one not kind of what they've seen in in, in, in a few other of these games and and on top of is you got back-to-back uh divisional games coming up you know mm-hmm. uh i i just don't understand the heavy burn on 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 watt and highsmith yeah i mean obviously those guys are going to play the vast majority of snaps but you know i think pittsburgh utilized a healthier rotation and green bay did have a couple of three and outs but they had a couple of long drives too where you really didn't get a rotation there and and, and needed that for those guys and you know 
they again some hurry up and late in the game of course they were doing that so that does make it you know tough to sub but I don't know I just felt like yeah for Golden to play five snaps for a big two it, it just didn't make a lot of sense and in the pass rush I think struggled because they just did not let these guys sub and rotate a little bit yeah uh they uh, and that was kind of felt early in the game too so it was it they you know obviously Watt you know had had his sack and I thought uh Armand Watts had a had a nice pass rush where he trucked somebody in 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 this maybe that was the Watt sack as well too uh, uh you know when that happened there but uh uh just overall they weren't getting good pressure on love yeah Hayward I don't want to say it was necessarily a bad game. He did have one good bull rush, and the run defense was probably good, but maybe he's still trying to get his legs and, and work his way back. He was getting rotated out pretty heavily in this game. Yeah, I think Watts, that was a set on the left tackle. Is that the one you're talking about when he yeah. ran that dude over? I think it might have been a separate play, but yeah, that was a, a really good rush from him. How about DeMarvin Leal? Four snaps for DeMarvin Leal. Mm. That one surprised me, Dave. Mm. Was uh, th- There was somebody that looked like they twisted an ankle at some, maybe it was in the second half. I and I, Benton? I, I know Benton was hobbly a little bit late. Yeah, maybe it was Benton on on one of those. I couldn't I couldn't pick up the number uh, on him when going through the TV tape last night. Interested to see uh, uh, the all twenty two end zone. See if I can pick up who that was. But it looked like I, I didn't know who it was. I didn't know if maybe that was uh, uh, Leal or not. But it looked like somebody stepped okay. wrong or something. I, I should have mentioned with the injuries too. some of the other injuries in this game, less serious than Alexander, but Keanu Neal with a rib injury uh, after the interception, he told reporters he's going to get going to get an MRI, but I think he's going to be okay. Speaking to the media after the game, I think Johnson had a Keontae Johnson had a thumb. Benton was a little hobbly. I think Hayward limped off late. Um, Koontz obviously, but we'll see what Tomlin has to say Tuesday. Can I just go back to the inside linebacker comment uh, in, in discussion quickly? Can I give you a really stupid suggestion, Dave, that should kind of get yelled at? But I'm going to I'm going to put it out here on the safety of the podcast where I don't see the tweets of the hate as, as much. What about in just very kind of specialty situations, not talking about, you know, dime packages or every down? Could DeMarvin Leal play some off-ball linebacker? He's a good athlete. They had a rush package for him last year against Buffalo. Three snapped as an off-ball linebacker as he was kind of looping and blitzing, could you do something there occasionally? I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. If you're only going to play this dude four snaps at defensive line as kind of a base package only type of guy, I don't think it's a terrible thought. I understand where you're coming from. I, I would, I would be, a, I mean, how often are you going to do that? What, what situ- situations? I'm still working on that. I just had the thought of like, okay, this guy's not playing much. He has struggled as a pass rusher. I think he's not played in sub packages because they don't trust him because he's not, refined his game, but can you do something to get him on the field and utilize his, his athleticism? This guy can uh, run. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think you're going to see that. No, probably not. Probably not, but I don't know. Do you think, Um, I know last week Austin said, well, no, Nick Herbig in, you know, inside, no way. He's an outside guy. He said, I think Austin kind of jinxed. He said, if, if we lose three inside linebackers, you know, hopefully we don't do that. And they're, they're dropping like flies over here. Do you kind of revisit the Herbig discussion, especially this dude's going to play two snaps defensively? I would I would view that more as likely uh, Probably, than, sure, than, than than Leal, uh, but even so, it, it sounded really definitive. Mm-hmm. But I also, I mean, look, extreme extreme situations call for extreme decisions sometimes, right? Right. I mean, again, trying to make that mid season switch for a rookie, pick up that portion of the playbook is asking a lot. So I'm not I'm not going to be mad at this team. They don't do that. But if, if you can kind of just get her, make a package of plays on third downs, 
maybe you could try that, but there's a communication aspect. Who's going to be calling those plays? Right. You know, Herbig is not equipped to probably handle that. So I, I don't know, but that, you know, they may have to at least, the question I'm sure will be asked again to Terrell Austin. I'll put it this way. Look, you, you, as we said at the top of the show, you can stitch this thing with a lot of different situations, but also when you're dealing with so many moving parts like that, mm-hmm. try to stitch it up so many ways you're setting yourself up for, for, for assignment errors, you know? True. True. I mean, you, like- you could, you could, you know, we, we talked about, uh, uh, Neil, we talked about obviously a couple of those, uh, practice squad guys and, you know, you throw out there Leal and Herbert. I mean, sure. You could situation this thing to death probably, but, uh, uh you know, will, will people be playing fast in those situations? You know, that's a great point. You're trying to balance between letting these guys play fast and risk. Or, or reduce the risk of communication issues while trying to piece this thing together because you can't just have one guy handle the responsibilities of, of replacing a Quan or Holcomb or you know, the dime packet situation stuff. So it's a tough line to walk schematically. I know Pittsburgh was probably trying to simplify things defensively. They were playing a lot of zone coverage, trying to keep things simple. They weren't blitzing a ton, trying to keep things simple. But then is it too simple? Did you know, quarterbacks start picking that apart? It's, it's a tough line to walk, especially mid-game. I'd, I'd much rather have linebackers that are used to playing the, the, the position there first and foremost. And look, I mean, you've had a couple of these guys around, you know, the, these younger guys on the team for a little while, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so they should understand what's going on now. Not, not, yeah, I, I do think that the, the Neil aspect is, is going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, they kind of did that with Troy that year that Larry foot got hurt in week one. I mean, they basically moved Troy to a dimebacker position. I think it was at 2013, whatever year that was. Yeah. What was that? 12, 13. Yeah. 11, somewhere around there. They didn't, because that was whenever like they had Vince working rundowns and they had Troy kind of working pass downs. I forget the exact way they, they went about that, but I wonder if you could kind of see something similar uh, with, with, not that we're comparing Neil to Troy, but just in terms of the usage and how they try to solve those things. I tell you, uh, uh, a nice week not to have to play Chubb, bless his heart. Yeah, um, but that that Browns team, they look good in the second half. Mm-hmm. Watson went, what, 14 or 14 in the second half? He's got an ankle, but I think he's going to play. Um, you know, they put up 33 on that Baltimore team. That's mm-hmm. a great Ravens defense. So, you know, watch out. Look, the, the the key thing is they're getting timely takeaways on defense. That's the thing that's 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 holding this thing together because they're giving up a whole heck of a lot of yards. I just pulled something uh, uh, earlier this morning here. They are giving up. What is it here? Where is it? Uh, three hundred, nearly three hundred and eighty yards of offense a game. The Steelers are. Uh, they've given up uh, over thirty four hundred in in total yards of offense on defense so far. Yeah, it's uh, five point yeah. six yards per play. I think. Yeah. Um, do you have the adjusted? Net yards per pass or um whatever it is adjust adjusted net yards numbers for this team. No, um, but uh, I would imagine because of the takeaways, uh, it's still under six. Yeah, likely. I wonder where they are offensively. Not probably also under six. <laughs> and not that you want to be there. Oh yeah, they're 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 way under that. I mean, they're yeah. under f- they're under five. I think. Yeah. So, uh, how many that. of those teams have made the playoffs? I wonder. Pittsburgh, maybe it, the exception. It doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what the last team who did it was. I'm sure maybe maybe Tampa last year, and they went eight and nine with that terrible offense. I don't know. Anyway, 
Any other thoughts here defensively? I, I just worry about your inside linebacker. Can, can you cover and just coverage in general? Do you have the kind of guys that can man up, can run? This team needs more athletes in the secondary. You know, the biggest thing is the linebacker position moving forward and just the, the rate of explosive plays that this defense has given up. Yeah. All they have to do, Dave, all the Steelers defense has to do is not allow these big plays. Reduce them by half, and, and you're going to have a good, a solid run defense that, that's improved with Hayward back. Um, you're taking the football away. The pressure's waned a little bit, but I still think long-term, you know, Watt Highsmith, the pass rush is going to get home. Just stop giving up the big plays, and your defense is going to be 10 times better, and you're going to have, you know, arguably a really, really stout unit. That's the thing that's holding this defense back. And find a way to get Watt and Highsmith off the, off the field for a couple more plays. Yeah, I mean, that that's really usually a positional coach handles that. That's Denzel Martin. He's usually the guy that kind of helps rotate and gets guys in and out. Now, of course, Watt and Highsmith probably have to occasionally take themselves out, and you kind of have to make them take themselves out themselves out sometimes. So this was kind of a weird one-off because they've they rotated decently this year, and Golden's played some, and, and they, they like their depth, and they have better depth than they've had in years. So I don't know what happened in this game, but it, it has to change going forward. Could it? Uh, do you all, do you, my only theory behind that is – uh, the the longest drives that the Packers had in this game were coming out of, of halftime. Uh, Eleven and nine played uh, drives back to back. There was the thinking because at at that point uh, the Packers had run twenty five plays in the first half, which is obviously not a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And are you thinking, okay, well, you know, halftime, uh, get the orange slices and the Capri Suns. Uh, I'm sure it's a little bit more elaborate than that. Uh, but then you come out and you give up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're thinking, well, we don't have to take them off the field on these first, first two drives here. But then after that, it was the three, six, six, and seven. So was it just, was it, was it the overall flow of, of the game and not being, not having to be on the field, uh, longer past those first two drives? You know what I'm saying here? Did, did mm-hmm. the flow of the game really just dictate that you not have to rotate them out because of not giving up long drives? And then the the feeling was on the first two drives of the second half was, well, they, they just came out of the locker room and they only played the, 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 what was it? 25 plays in the first half. Yeah, potentially. But it's just, you know, if you're in the middle of an 11 play drive, you can't ask a guy to play all 11 plays. You know, usually those guys sub out at some point or occasionally Pittsburgh will maybe start the next drive with Golden and Herbig out there after a long drive to give the one Highsmith extra rest. Those guys might come on three plays into the next drive, something like that. That's kind of been the way they, they rotated things. So, yeah, I mean, maybe there's some of that. And then you factor in some tempo, some no huddle type stuff. And it was some situations where you're not close to your sideline. You're not you know, comfortable subbing and maybe and then obviously in the game, in the game, you're going to keep them out there. You know? Yeah. And they were obviously picking up the pace. And so you can't, you know, sub there and they took some timeouts to try to you know give those guys some, some rest. So I don't know. I mean, it's just something, you know, to, to watch going forward. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear if, if Tomlin or, or, or Terrell Austin's asked about that at some point, yeah. this coming a- week. Any other thoughts here defensively, Dave? Nope. Anything on special teams? Kind of mentioned that. I think Harvin, Peterson, and um, yeah, just the, the kick coverage strategy was questionable to me. Yep. Yep. I would agree. We we, we covered a little bit of the special teams and gave mm-hmm. props and, and gave a spank in there, I think. Yeah. All right, Dave. Anything else here to talk about coming out of this game? Uh, six and three, Aves North, you know, very, very, you know, just, just razor thin margin right now. Baltimore half came up over Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Browns come from behind win the Bengals, they lose to the Texans that, that certainly hurts their chances, but Pittsburgh 
right in this thing. It, it's going to come down to the AFC. It, it's going to be week 18 against Baltimore, and, and they're both teams are going to be playing for something important. And so uh, check back with me on January 7th, and, and we'll see where things are at because this, thing, this thing's going to, going to stay close the rest of the way. Yeah, uh, two big games, obviously, coming up, uh, division. And then, oh, uh, tell people about the uh, Thursday night game against the Patriots. Oh, yeah. People were wondering a very popular post on the site yesterday. Uh, no, the Patriots Steelers game cannot be flexed. NFL rules say that if you're going to flex it, you need 28 days of notice to flex a, a Thursday night game. Uh, yesterday was 25 games out from that uh, Thursday night game against the Pats. So like it or not, Al Michaels will gripe about it. But you're going to see Matt Jones and Kenny Pickett on some Thursday night football. Or Bailey Zappi. Or Bailey Zappi, I should say. <laughs> You're going to see a Patriots quarterback and Kenny Pickett on Thursday Night Football. Good correction. All right, let's roll through some uh, emails here. Uh, Travis Pick says, why did the Steers not have a play to run to the line and snap the ball? Green Bay just did it uh, on, on the run in the fourth quarter. Time for some fourth quarter. Uh, he must have, he, he tweeted this in the middle of the game there. Uh, I don't know what he's talking about specifically. Why why don't the Steelers not have a play to run to the line and snap the ball? I don't, I can't, uh, what do yeah, you Yeah, I'm not sure what that what, what is referencing. Referencing, I think that was, he just had a moment that he had to ask about during the game there. Uh, Jeff Berg says, howdy on this victory Monday. I'm so confused by the Steelers passing offense. It seems every team finds receiver open in between the hashes, and yet we just throw to the sidelines or in the flat to the running back. We just played a team with injuries in the secondary, and yet uh, really didn't take it advantage of it we're six and three and i can only imagine how good we could be if we were able to execute an nfl passing offense more really that's just more of a really a comment there we we obviously talked about uh the passing game earlier in in this show uh deshaun campbell sup guys i listened to the podcast from last week i want to know what makes kenny better than sam howell hamill howell leads the nfl in passing yards and has 17 tds it's just hard watching kenny because even with the improvements of play calling o-line play and running game we've yet to see any improvement from kenny at all okay fair fair email there i i would i would just say this you know uh haven't sat there and watched Sam Howell play every, every snap, obviously. Uh, second, you know, a lot of, lot of um, uh, fourth quarter Kenny bias probably mixed in there uh, 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 to, to, to some degree. Uh, Howell is having a good season uh, for what he's being asked to do. Yeah, I mean, I would say that he leads the NFL in passing attempts. They play from behind a lot. They're asked to do a lot from a pass game perspective. So that, that lends itself to some larger numbers. I mean, the sacks have been a big issue, too. It, uh, I said earlier, it's probably harder to evaluate Howell because he's getting crushed at, at the rate that he's getting hit. Um, let's see how the season ends for both those guys and, and, and talk about things once the season concludes. Uh, let's see here. Larissa, best and most honest students coverage out there. I don't get, uh, if Kenny is not seeing open receivers or the receivers aren't getting open. Do you guys see what the issue is when you analyze the all 22? We don't have the all 22 yet, uh, for, for, for the game against Packers any moment. Now we'll have that. Uh, Larissa writes it. It seems like he is just trying to throw away the ball as soon as possible without looking for open receivers. It did look like it was first read Kenny a lot in this game though. Yeah. I would just say, uh, broadly speaking, I think Pickett has had a tendency to really focus on his first read and not get off of that read quickly enough when it's not there. Um, but, you know, it's always a combination of things, you know, trying to have some more middle of the field type options and weapons for him have been limited and, you know, missed opportunities for Pickens and Johnson, et cetera. So it's not all just one thing. But, yeah, I think uh, Pickett has probably honed in on that first read a little too often. 
Uh, Chase writes in, David Knox, how do we make this a functional offense? Why can't, why can Kenny Pickett make 30 to 40 yard throws, but cannot make four to five yard throws down the middle? Listen, the win was great, but in reality, we have played bad and average teams. We have zero innovation on or scheme. Absolutely none. I see bad quarterbacks make throws that Kenny Pickett can't. Uh, uh, I don't understand his issue. If we do end up in the playoffs, we'll be one and done and it'll be super depressing. What are your thoughts on the below statement? Other teams adapt to their players' strengths and the Steelers make the players adapt to the coaches' strengths. Well, I think what Pittsburgh has done and say, hey, we got to run the ball effectively. That's going to be the strength of this offense. That's kind of where they poured everything into because, you know, Pickett is only going to be able to, to, to offer so much and you can't put too much on that guy in this passing offense. So I would just say, kind of look at the uh, the model of the Titans game was a really good model for Pickett to be in positions to succeed. I thought that was a really well-called game by Canada. And I think just overall, the run game has been the best friend that Pickett could have right now. Is, is even whenever he struggles in those games like yesterday, you're not you're not asking him to do too much. You're allowing him to rely on the run game to kind of get you out of the game with a win. So hopefully that run game continues, and that'll hopefully just you know be able to alleviate some of that pressure on Kenny Pickett. Look, I love, you know you got to get in the playoffs before you can <laughs> talk about losing in the playoffs, and they're stitching this thing together somehow. Now once again. <laughs> You know, especially some of these teams they've got upcoming here. You 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 would hope that we see some progression in this passing game, especially middle of stuff. You know, you can't rely on explosive plays in a running game and just week to week. They're just not, you know, and, and the yards after the catch haven't really been there. Uh, I, I, you know, especially in this game against the Packers overall, you know, you got to start seeing some of that stuff, you would think. Yeah, I mean, you, you need to see some progression. You need to see a a statement game from Pickett, at least give you a one where you feel really, really confident. And those have not happened. So not going to get any easier when you're facing the Browns on Sunday. That's going to be one heck of a challenge. Be interesting to see how they use Pat Frymuth when they get him back. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, Ronald Hall. Let's take uh, one more here. Uh, glad for the win, despite the frustratingly conservative offensive play calling. Uh, Kenny's passing chart looked like a hot mess. Uh, was it Canada's conservative play designs or play calling this week? Or were there plays to be made specifically deeper in the middle of the field and that Kenny just didn't see it? In other words, is he not going through his progressions? Once again, we'll have to see. We'll, we'll be able to talk on this on Wednesday a little bit more in depth once we see the All-22 and see if there were some instances where he he did miss. And once again, you know, you, uh, how big a play would that have been to George Pickens? You know, had 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 that not been uh, negated by a penalty, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just one. You know, uh, but it, it's so hard to tell on the TV tape, and I'll, we'll get a lot better look on the all twenty-two on this. I mean, I thought overall, once again, I thought the play calling was was pretty good, Alex. I especially I thought they mixed up the runs pretty good in this one. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get a great feel for how much I like the play calling. Obviously, the start of the games were great. The opening script, I thought, was really good in terms of mixing in the run game, the short pass game, play action, that deep ball, third down that, that uh, drew P.I. on that for kind of a big explosive uh, play via penalty. Um, it, it didn't feel egregiously bad to me. I'll kind of have to watch. Also, I, I just got to watch the tape on this offense and see kind of what went wrong, what went right and go from there. Ron also addresses, uh, are you surprised by the de- decline in snaps for both Golden and Herbig in the past three or four weeks? Uh, part of the reason TJ Highsmith aren't getting home might because they're guests. Yeah, we, we, we talked about, it. I, you know, what it was, it, I don't say it was as super noticeable the last 
you know, several games, but I mean, it was very noticeable. I, I, I DM'd Alex last night, you know, got, got through three quarters of the game and said, you know, cause I knew Alex was charting at the time. I said, where, how, where do you have uh, golden and our big or golden specifically when, when it came to snaps and, you know, lo and behold, you know, th- th- those two barely saw the field. And as we address, right, it's going to be interesting to see if Mike Tomlin or Terrell Austin is, is, is asked about that this week. Yeah, uh, golden snap counts from recent games, uh, 13, 14, 14, 14, 11, this game five. So the yeah. past have been fine, 15, 20%. That's solid. I'm good with that. Five, 7% of the snaps. Something went wrong there. All right, Alex, uh, we chewed up about an hour and 15 here and uh, obviously got other chores to do related to the site. So I think it's time to call this one quits and you and I get back after on Wednesday. All right, sounds good. Go through the tape and see what our any conclusions are for Wednesday's show. All right. Uh, let's see. Until Wednesday, as always, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Studios Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigation bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the uh, uh, donate or hit the uh, ad free button up upright navigational bar uh, until Wednesday as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex